Parshat Vayera. And of course, we're dedicating all of our learning to uh, to our chayalim and chayalot and to everyone. Like David Ben-Gurion said, kol ha-medina, how do you call it? Kol ha-medina chazit, or kol ha-aretz chazit, kol ha the whole country is the front and the whole citizenry is the army and we are doing what we can from here in the meantime. Uh, our parsha, Parshat Vayera, begins with a very famous scene, which is three visitors coming to Avraham. And you ask the average person on the street, who are these visitors? And of course, they will tell you these visitors were... What will they say? Angels. These are malachim. We all know they're malachim. Now, there's actually a lot of evidence to point to them being malachim, we have to clarify what the word means before we go further. What is a malach? What does the word malach mean? Malach means an agent, a messenger. Uh, Yaakov sends malachim, Am Yisrael sends malachim, right? and a malach Hashem is a messenger of God that we call an angel. But even the word angelu in Greek is used to, de- to describe even a human agent. So the word malachim in this parsha may not be a dead giveaway, but there are other things that seem to be a dead giveaway as to who these guys are. But let's take a look at the story, and along the way we'll ask some questions. What we're going to look at over the course of this shiur, in the very brief time that we have, is four different approaches to understanding who they were. Um, and I would say um, at least three of them are kind of kind of radical uh, from what we're accustomed to say, to, to, to reading. Hashem appears to Avram at Elonim Amre, sitting out in the tent, uh, entered to the tent in the heat. Famous Rashi, he's waiting for Orchim, even though this Avram is an old man, he's 99, and he's just recovered from Brit Milah, right? He looks up, three men, these are men, Nitzavim Alav, are standing over him. Not necessarily right over on top of him. But they're standing nearby. They're clothing right now next to him because he gets up and he runs towards them and from his place in front of the tent and he bows to the earth. The big question is, what does he mean by that word? For right now, we'll read it. My masters, he's speaking in a term of subservience to his putative guests. And then he offers them food, etc. Okay, and now... Avram runs to the tent, and he tells Sarah to prepare food, and then he, t- he instructs the boy to prepare the animal, and he takes chamav, chalav, we actually talked about that, that in a different shir this week, about pasav, chalav here, and he takes chamav, chalav, and ben habakar, right, and now, at the end of pasuk chet, we have a, a word, which might tip our interpretation into one direction, which is, tachata eitz vayochelu, meaning he gives them the food while they're under the tree, and what do they do? They eat. Now, if we're seeing these three visitors as three guys, they accept his hospitality, he serves them food, and they eat. And that's what people do. People eat. If, on the other hand, they are angelic beings in the sense of non-humans who are sent in the guise of people, eating becomes something of a problem. Now, why is eating a problem? Well, some of the Rishonim point to a pasuk in Shoftim. In Shoftim, we have a famous scene where a malach appears to Mrs. Manoach. By the way, Mrs. Manoach's husband's name is the husband of Mrs. Manoach. It's an old name. But 
she appears to Mrs. Manoach, appears to Mrs. Manoach and, and that's the news that Shimshon's going to be born, etc. And near the end of that scene, Manoach, who's finally shown up, says, I, I want to bring you a korban. And what does the Malach say? Im tale, ola, la, 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 donai tale. And you want to bring a korban, bring it to Hashem, I'm not going to eat your korban. Which some people will understand as meaning, and Malach can't eat. Malach is not, uh, doesn't have the ability to eat, which means Vayochelu is a little bit of a problem. But, so at this point, we're going to regard these three guys as three travelers, and the stories there tell us about Avram's great hospitality. Beautiful. Pasuk Tet is where things get kind of weird. Vayamru, by the way, notice, they are all speaking. We're Sarah in the tent. Now, by the way, they know Sarah's name. So maybe they didn't say, maybe they said, where's your wife? And the text plugs in Sarah. And maybe Avram and Sarah are famous people, and so they know her name. All right, so far, fine. Vayomer. Now, by the way, what's the problem with Vayomer? We just had Vayomru, which means they're all, it doesn't mean they all have to sing, speak in unison, but it means that <clears throat> that's kind of the group vibe. Where's Sarah? Now, Vayomer. He says, Shov However, we understand I will return at a particular point in time, a point uh, meaning a year from now, time of birthing, whatever it may mean. So I will have a son. Now, what does that immediately tell us about these three guys, or at least one of these three guys? What can we deduce about the identity of at least one of these guys? Okay, I'll fill in the blanks. You guys don't want to speak up? That's fine. That they're sent from Hashem. Not necessarily, but what can we infer? They have inside information. They have information that is, to quote Paul Simon, unavailable to the mortal man. Right? They have inside information. Are they sent by Hashem? They have inside info. Somehow they have that. Now, either that or they're lying. They're making it up. You mean about about her having a son? What? You mean about her having a son? Yeah. Okay. And Sarah is listening, and now the text intervenes with the point, interjects the fact that they're old, and Sarah is significantly postmenopausal. And Sarah laughs and says, Well, now I'm going to have suddenly a return to my youth, right? And now, Hasukyot Gimel is where things continue to get strange. Because right now, what does the scene look like through Pasukyot Bet? Three men who come, Avram serves them, Sarah's in the tent. And then they say, where's Sarai? He says, in the tent. And one of them says, I will return at a particular time, and Sarai will have a son. So now, what we can infer is that either these guys are, and we have no reason to think that they're, that they're crazy, so either these guys or one of these guys is a malach or a navi, or in some way has inside information about something that's extremely unexpected, which is this old lady giving birth. All right, good. Here's where things continue to get strange. Hashem speaks to Abraham. Now, how's that happening? So what are you picturing? When you read this pasuk, what are you picturing? Avram is sitting with the three guys, standing over the three guys. The three guys are saying what they're saying. Sarah is laughing in her own private place. And now what's happening? What do you picture? So you probably picture, I would assume, that Hashem speaks to Avram while he's in front of these three guys, and Hashem says, Why is Sarah laughing? 
is something too wondrous for Hashem. Now, right away, you're going to say, well, who's speaking? Why doesn't he say, would anything be too wondrous for me? But that's not strange. We even find that in the next parak. Sometimes when Hashem is speaking, he refers to himself in the third person. So that's fine. But here's where things, again, get weird. What does Hashem say? Is anything too wondrous for Hashem? At an appointed time, I will return to you, which may mean a year from now, may mean a pregnancy term from now, but at a point where she gives birth and she will have a son. The reason that's difficult is because what did one of the guys say in Pasuk Yod? Same exact words. But that's not Hashem speaking. That's one of the guys speaking. So you understand the identity here is is strange. Who are these three guys? And where is Hashem speaking? What's the context? And then Sarah denies laughing. So she's now part of the conversation. He says, no, you laugh. Who's the he? Yes. You understand the difficulty here. How did Abraham even know that she left? She was behind the door. So take a look. Hashem says to Avram, Mama said, no, I know he said, but how did Avram even know? Because Hashem told him she, she left. Oh, that's it. So not that okay. he knew that. The question is, how's all this conversation happening? Who's talking? Do you understand? Right. There, there's difficulties here. Now, we're not done, as you can see. Uh, again, now, these guys have already opened their cards. They've got information, more than that, maybe, that's divine, and yet they're still called Ha'anashim. And they look down at Stom, because from Tel Romeda, where Avram is, you look down, Stom is down, 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 Stom is down from everywhere, pretty much. Avram is walking with them. Now, Vadunai Amar. Hashem speaks, and what, is he, what does he say? And more importantly, who is he speaking to? Am I going to keep from Avram what I'm about to do? Avram, a famous thing about Avram, he's going to be great, he's going to teach his kids there, Hashem, etc. And now, Pasuk Chaf, Hashem says, the cries of Stom and Amar are great, etc. I'm going to go down, and I'm going to see if what I'm hearing is what's actually happening, and if so, I'm going to destroy it. And then what happens in the last pasuk on the page? Avraham then approaches and says, From there goes the famous negotiations. Will you destroy the innocent with the wicked? What if there's 50, etc., etc., all the way down to 10? Who's where? Where are these people? Where is Avram having this conversation with Hashem? The whole thing is very strange. And I'll add one more piece to the puzzle. According to conventional understanding, we're going to pin that down in a minute. According to conventional understanding, I mean, it's clear, a conversation with Hashem is a form of nivuah. We'll all agree to that. And according to conventional understanding, if you are having nivuah, what are you, what is your, if somebody's watching you have a nivuah, what do they see on you? What are you doing? So the assumption is, unless you're Moshe Rabbeinu, you're asleep, and you're having a vision. So that means Avram is asleep, and Hashem and Avram are negotiating in Avram's vision. 
and yet Avram's out there on the mountain escorting the. You understand where these things are are confusing and mixed up. Now, further on in the story, at the beginning of Parak Yotet, Vayavo Shnei Hamalachim, Shnei Hamalachim, and what's difficult there is you can't use Hey idea. you can't use the definite article with a noun that has not yet been identified. You can't say, I'm picking up the book, unless you first said, I bought a book. Barnes and Noble's reopening. I went to Barnes and Noble. I bought a book, and I picked up the book. Wait, where was that quote? That's, not last page. That's a different parak? Yeah, in the next parak. Okay. The two malachim come. Now, by the way, we have a problem here. The two malachim, but there were three. And by the way, they're called anashim. So it seems to be two of the three guys who are with Avram, their name has been changed from Anashim to Malachim. By the way, there's no names associated with any of them, but their title has been, or their, their descriptor is now Malachim, and there's only two of them. What has happened? It's all strange. Okay, And there's more strangeness that happens in the Snow story itself. But let's leave the, the, the troubles of this parsha, this piece, which are enough to get us started. So we'll start with Rashi. Rashi, you see the, th- the questions here. Rashi, straight through, says, and Rashi right away says, you see it in source two, one is there to give Sarah the news of the baby, one is there to destroy Avraham, and then in some versions of Rashi, meaning one of them is there to heal Avraham from the Brit Milah and to save Lot, He's the the healing guy. And what's Rashi's piece here of angelology? It's a real word, I promise you. One malach can't do more than one thing. Although this malach is going to do two things, but they're, they're kind of the same thing, healing. And one of them is to inform, and one of them is to destroy. Okay. And you can see it because throughout the parsha. They are referred to in the plural. I mentioned Vayomru, Vayochlu. And yet, when one of them says that Sarah's going to have a kid, it's Vayomer in the individual. And in the destruction of Stom, the, one of the Malachim says, I can't do anything until you leave the town. And indicating it's one guy, right? And Rashi doesn't identify her, Raphael being the one who's healing. Okay. Now, um, when Avraham addresses them, it starts with Adonai. Right now, that's plural, but the Rambam, uh, sorry, Rashi here says meaning he's addressing one of them, whoever seemed to be the most important in these three guests, kulam adunim. All right, which is strange because he could just say it's plural. Now, vayochlu, and this is the thing. Rashi says, "What about them eating? They pretended to eat, right? Showing you also always follow minagamakom, etc." This is Rashi's approach. Throughout the parasha, these three are malachim. They pretend to be people. Each one of them has his own job. Therefore, the singular speaks up. I mean, one of them speaks up and says, Sarah's going to have a kid, but they're all there. And therefore, when they go to stone, there's only two of them, because one of them disappeared, like malachim disappear, poof, because the one that was there to tell Sarah the news is gone. The one that came to heal Havram goes to save Halot, and the one who came to destroy Stone is there. They could ask, so why did the one who came to save Stone come to Avram? The question, right? 
Good. That's Rashi. And by the way, I'm not going to belabor Rashi because we're all familiar with Rashi's derech. Rashi had a grandson. You all know his grandson, Rashbam. The Rashbam who took Rashi's innovative approach to, to Parshanut of Pshat and took it to a much more, you could call it extreme, but a much more um, fine in the sense of refined. Uh, and so I don't mean to say it that way, but in the, in, to a much more pointed uh, end uh, of Pshat. Uh, reads this parsha as follows. Just to read the Rashbam. Hey, Ach, how did Hashem appear to him? They're Malachim. And he says then something that's going to open up the door to Rashbam's approach to Malachim. When a Malach appears, it's described as God appearing. And he brings sources from Mishpatim, right? And uh, the beginning of, how do you call it, Moshe's, Moshe's um, uh, first inaugur- inaugural vision at the Sneh, Vayiram Malach Adonai Lav, and says, Vayar Adonai, Kisar the Rot. The Malach is called Hashem. Hashem is called the Malach. All right? So now, the, Ram, the Rashbam reads that when, when Avram addresses them, Vayomar Adonai, he means he's talking to the the one who is the greatest one, but he's talking to him as if he's talking to God. Now, you understand the difficulties with this rush bomb? This rush bomb, and the rush bomb is going to continue with this, has this guy appearing as a person is God. I can't explain it differently. That's what he says. And now, watch when at the end of the story, when the when Sarah laughs and the response is, Hi, Adonai, Davar. Well, is anything beyond Hashem? Shishlachanu elayich davar, meaning Hashem who sent us. Now notice, he's kind of treading the line between the personification of Hashem and the agent of Hashem. Okay, and he, and he then quotes from Perak Yutet, Hashem im tir al-stom v'gofrit v'eish Right? Arishon shpasuku Gavriel, v'ashini shpasuku Hashem. Right? And he quotes an Agadah, he cites an Agadah, we don't have it, that indicates this. Now, now, what happened? This is, by the way, if if your mind isn't blown yet by the Rashbam, it will be. Just hang on. This is when they leave Avram and they're on their way to Stom. There's three guys, right? Now, by the way, just to put something in your mind, we're going to get to this before the end of this year, do you understand the potential difficulty that you run into talking about three men as being Hashem, do you understand the difficulty? Okay, good. Just keep it in mind. We're going to get to it. Uh, two of them went to Stom, as we see. In other words, the two lesser of these Malachim went to Stom to destroy Stom and save Lot. The biggest one, the most important one, stayed there to talk to Avraham. And that's why it says, In other words, Avraham is standing there with the biggest one, and the biggest one is talking to him and saying, I'm going to destroy Stone. I'm going to go check it out. Those two other manifestations are going to go check it out, and then I'll destroy it if it's not the case. And so now, who does, Hashem, who does Avraham speak to when he negotiates for 50, 45, etc.? 
עומד לפני אדוני, לפני המלאך לבקש פרנם. אוקיי? on looking at the Anashim and Malachim as actual manifestations of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that, that Avram will address the Malach by the name of God. And the Malach will respond back, in some cases, in the first person as Hashem, but the Malach speaking. Hamachaseh anime Avraham? Right, I'm going down to Stom Ve'eda'a, and I will find out if it's Bandanet, and then I'll destroy it. First person. And then Avram says to him, you cannot, you cannot do it. You are, are, are the, the, the judge of the world. It's not proper judgment. It's not mishpat. That's the Rashbam. Well, we all ex- agree that the Rashbam's position seems to be extreme. Okay. We're going to go to the other extreme. And I'm going to summarize this quickly. You can read it. I also gave it to you in English. This is from the Moran Nebuchim. The Moran Nebuchim of the Rambam, as you well know, was not written in Hebrew. It was written in Arabic. He's written actually as a letter to one of his students in Baghdad. And uh, in the Moran of Uchim, which is made up of three sections, the middle section is about prophecy. And he talks about well, how do you become a, a Navi and what's involved in the Nivuah and the different 11 different levels of Nivuah, etc. One of the principles of the Rambam, principles is one thing I mentioned earlier. And it's based on the Parshan Balotcha when Hashem speaks to Miriam and Aaron, that any Navi, by definition, having a Nevoah, must be asleep. Unless your last name is Rabbeinu, and your first name is Moshe, you are asleep. And you're having a vision. That's as far as Nevoah goes. It's such an important credential for the Rambam, that he encodes it as one of the Yud Gimel Ikare Emunah. That Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah is qualitatively of a different type than everybody else's, that Moshe Rabbeinu is the only one who can have Nebuah while he's awake. Everybody else has visions, and they see it in metaphors and in symbols, and Moshe gets it straight. In um, the third, the second section of, uh, of Moran Nebuchim, in this chapter, the Rambam points out that seeing a malach is a prophecy. Because seeing a malach means you're getting messages from Hashem. And that's prophecy. And now you put one and one together, and that means if you ever see a malach, unless you're Moshe Rabbeinu, you're asleep. And he lists examples of this. So Yehoshua seeing the Sartz Hashem in Yericho was a vision. Yaakov wrestling was a vision. Now what does that mean? It means that if you were videotaping Yaakov at the point, you would see him in bed having some sort of tumultuous experience. But you wouldn't see him wrestling with somebody. You wouldn't see Yoshua bowing down to an officer. And the Rambam says the same thing about this event. And he says, what happened? And he says the same thing the Rashbam says for the beginning, and then they go 180, really. The Rashbam says, How did Hashem appear to him? These three guys came who, who are representing Hashem, Kilu. 
and then go from there. The Rambam says, Ve'irai lav Hashem, Hashem appeared to him, and now he's having a nevuah, and in that vision, he experiences three people visiting, he experiences himself serving them, he experiences them saying, we're Sarah, he experiences having them overhear Sarah laugh, which by the way means, Sarah never laughed, according to the Rambam. And by the way, that means we do not have any testimony to Avram's hospitality, because this is the only story we have. And according to the Rambam, it didn't actually physically happen, shall we say. And by the way, that approach makes the entire parsha seamless because the whole thing's a vision. Anything can happen in a vision. Part of the difficulty comes when you then translate it to Lot. Because you say, is Lot suddenly a Navi? And did Storm, didn't Storm actually get destroyed? So it becomes difficult. It also becomes difficult when you look at the Akedah, uh, because if every time you see a Malach, that's the Vua and you're asleep, then Avraham has a Malach talk to him twice. So what happened? Was he up on Har Moriah and then suddenly fell asleep and had a vision? A little difficult. I remember that our neighbor, uh, the late, uh, great uh, professor Herbert Davidson, is probably the world expert on the Rambam as a philosopher uh, in his day. He passed away a couple of years ago. I remember visiting with him uh, and asking him, you know, well, how do we deal with the Akedah and the Rambam's thinking? And he said, I don't know. There's <laughs> no way to deal it. It's very difficult. But that's the Rambam. But the Rambam's well-known. It's so well-known that uh, this is Friedlander's translation of it. You can see it in English. Um, the Rambam is so well-known that uh, the Ramban, in his first comment, and the Ramban would be a whole sheer by itself on this, the Ramban, in his first comment on Vayira, quotes the Rambam and jumps down his throat. He really rips it up. That's famous. I want to take you now to another corner of Europe. I want to take you back to France to Orleans, to Rabbi Yosef Bechor Shor, who was a Talmud of Rabbi Tam, and who wrote a beautiful, beautiful commentary on Chumash. And uh, it's become more popular in the last few decades because it's been published and people have written about him. And it's really, really gorgeous. Let me just show you what he says, and you'll see yet another approach. Now, by the way, this tells you that our story is very difficult. Because if our story was easy, you would not have Four and more than this, but four widely, extravagantly different approaches to understanding what's going on demonstrates the difficulty of it. Here we go. Here we go. How did Hashem appear to him? Meaning, three men came to him. And then, how did Hashem then appear to Avram after that? Right away, the Baba Choshor is telegraphing for you. I'm going to read the entire story as being about three men, humans. Now, in it, he's going to give a hint as to what motivated him to say that. Three humans, and only at the end of that story, Hashem is going to speak to him. And that's alluded to at the opening pasuk, as, as if to read like this. Parentheses. In the meantime, three guys came, da 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 da, da and then Hashem appeared to him and said, "I, I've got to tell you what I'm going to do in stone. Everything till there is is people." Here we go. Vayari anashim pshat anashim mamash. Look at that. According to pshat, these are just people. Kilomatsinu malachim ochlim v'shotim v'lanim b'beveit ish. We don't find Malachim eating or drinking or sleeping. These Malachim also go to sleep in Lot's house. 
and they eat and drink. And he brings the proof from the thing I mentioned about Manoach saying, um, uh, she, uh, how do you call it, that, that I won't eat your food to Manoach, you want to bring Koban, bring it to Hashem, etc. He says, By the way, this is something that the Rashbam in other places says, and even Ezra also says, you know, we can't ignore, or shall we say, try to refute the Agadot, because even our Rabbotenu are like Malachim. So they who call them Malachim, we're not going to say they're wrong, but Mihu Asur Lahorot, here we go, Lifneha Minin Shayu Malachim. Remember, I mentioned to you how about the three men coming and representing God and how difficult that would be? Imagine 12th century France. Why 12th century France? I'll tell you. Up until roughly the 11th century, from about the 4th century on, Christian teaching and study of the Bible was chiefly on what they called the spiritual sense of the text, what we would call Midrashim. In other words, using the text as a way to teach lessons. They were never interested in what we would call Pshat. There was a a renaissance, it's referred to as the 12th century Pshat Renaissance, in Christian circles in France, where they suddenly took an avid interest in studying biblical Hebrew and in being able to read the text in the original and understand what it meant. And of course, they were doing it in order to support their own religion. And as a result of that, several things happened. One is there was suddenly a renewed interest or a new interest in 12th century, 11th century France already in Pshat, in our circles. And second of all, we now had to contend with their reading the text and their reading it the way that they were reading it. And France was a hotbed of this kind of polemic activity. So watch what happens. Even though we have a Midrash, and the Midrash is Chazal, and they themselves were like Malachim, and they say these three guys are Malachim, you can't say it publicly in front of basically Mishumadim. Because it it uh it what what this does is it gives support to them that they're and he uses a dirty kind of a dirty word, referring to Jesus, of course, that he ate. See? You we're you we're saying you were saying to them, how could you say Jesus is God he ate? So look at that, these three malachim ate too. So therefore, the Bhoshor has a strategy, and he says, Okay, it's important. To know that Chazal said they're Malachim, but that's something, that's something we should publicize in the wrong circles because they misuse that information. Mumikan, Chuva Laminin, Shaomrim, Sha'elush, Toshahim, Toshachalakim, Shalohim. You're seeing it in black and white. This is the response. Here's how you respond to the, to the Mishumadim who claim that these three are the Trinity. That's what they would claim. Im Kane, and here we go. Lamu so how come, in their thinking, you have the father, the son, etc., how come only one of them had to come in to be born while the other two are still there in heaven? Here we see all three of them are acting like people. This is his anti-Trinitarian approach. And these guys ate and drank. You're calling them Malachim, you understand that that's, you understand, if you're going to call them Malachim, then turn that around and say, you see, all three of them could have come down to earth. Right? 
So now what happens? He's explaining the parsha. As Avram sees these three guys, he prays to Hashem and says, please let me host them. And that's the Adonai in the beginning. He's not talking to them. He's talking to Hashem. Because what is the phrase? Which we would see as second person, singular, do not pass by. He recognized they were great people. Meaning, he reads Ta'avor as third person feminine. Don't let this group leave me. He's not talking to him, he's talking to Hashem. Right now. Now, we get to the difficult part because if they're three guys, remember we read it as three guys until we got to the problems. If they turn around and say, We're Sarah. Now, isn't this kind of backtracking? He says, one of them was actually there to tell Sarah the news. The answer is very simple. He is a Navi. Hashem sent him, a human being, to come and give news to Sarah. She's going to have a kid. Now, remember, what does the Malach say? Well, anything beyond Hashem? Anything that Hashem says, should that be too wondrous for you? Meaning, there's a conversation between people. Right? Now, who says to her, you laughed? Avram says to her, it's not true that you didn't laugh, you did laugh. Why? Let me show you what's happening. In the parsha. what we have is, <clears throat> Hashem says to Avram, that's not any of these three guys. In the B'chor Shur's reading, that means Hashem now speaks to Avram and says, why is Sarah laughing? And then when Sarah says, I didn't laugh, he says, yes, you did. Who's the he? Avram. I trust God more than I trust you. That's the B'chor Shur, straight up. Okay. He returns to this. He says, when Hashem then says to Avram, I got to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send people to storm to find out if things are as bad. And if I will, I'll destroy it. And then Avram pleads with him. That's all God, not physical, not present. God, however we understand, talking to God. And that, he says, is picking up on the first pasuk in the parsha. Hashem appeared to Avram is referring to this. When Hashem says, I'm going to go destroy storm, and then it gives Avram the opportunity to respond. If you take a look further on, I'm going to stop in a minute, but if you take a look further on, the Bechor Shor follows this approach throughout the whole story of the Malachim coming into stone, because the language there is also difficult. It says, I can't destroy stone until you leave. How do you understand that? But the Bechor Shor deals with it. What we've seen over the course of the past 35 minutes or so is in this very opening parsha, well-known story, which, by the way, never gets the headlines in Parshat Vayera because we have the birth of Yitzchak, the exile of Ishmael, and, of course, the Akedah, which are the highlights. Um, even the negotiations for Stom is like a very big highlight, the destruction of Stom. Big highlight, the story of Avram and Avimelech in Grar. This story often gets kind of short-shrifted. When you take a look at it, you find four wildly distinct and different approaches to understanding who these three are. Rashi, the classic that we all grew up, they are Malachim, and they are talking in the name of Hashem, 
Rashbam taking that further and saying they are Malachim, speaking Hashem's voice, and people Avram addresses them as Hashem. Rambam, the whole thing's a vision, and before sure there are three men, and at least one of them is a Navi who was sent by Hashem to give her news. And Hashem's presence here is a second thing that's happening separate from their these three fellows. So hopefully we've had a chance to kind of explore different angles of uh, of this confusing parasha. But part of the issue here is a larger one, which is when we read, and of course we were all brought up in Rashi, and not just here, everywhere. When we read a parasha, we have to be sensitive to the fact that things that we might take for granted as far as their meaning goes, because of how we've been trained and kind of the images we've grown up with, deserve a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth look to look back at it. And the best way to do that is open up Mikra Kudalot, start looking at different Mavrashim, and see how they approach this. One quick clue. Look at a page of Mikra Kudalot. When you see that there is a lot of text and very little commentary, it's very straightforward. Look at Parshab Kudet. On the other hand, when you see very little text and a lot of commentary, you know you've gotten yourself into a real nice juicy sugya. That's when you take your time. Look at the Sforno, look at the Ramban, look at the Radak, and you will just have such, such delight in Limura Torah. I just wish it for everybody that HaTorah Baruch Hu should not only give us a chelik b'Torah but a chelik b'Sameach b'Torah